This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my co-host and a special guest. Oh. Hello, Jon. Uh, he's not satisfied with me anymore. Well, you know, sometimes it's good to spice things up. And <laughs> to spice things up, <laughs> today we have uh, the continuation of our interview with John Mersick. Um Diving deeper into other parts of the Linux Foundation and what's happening. And uh, I think unless there's anything else on your side, John, we can just dive in. No, we went through all the trouble getting a guest on, so let him let him work for his money. That's right. Those big <laughs> podcast dollars. Cool. All right. Let's do it. And I mean, like another another example, I think, of this kind of mentality is like Wikipedia and the Wikipedia Foundation. Like, you know, how many how many times have you have you gone to a Wikipedia page and seen that little kind of banner that pops up at the top that says that you know that this is this is a <laughs> yeah, you have to scroll away you have to scroll away to get there. It's very well thought out, yeah. Yeah. Oh like but like, you know, there's a non profit behind it and yeah. you know, they're they're really they're trying to do everything they can to, to keep this out. Like it, it, it's an invaluable resource. Um, but there's there's kind of so much so much behind this, and so many people, you know, close or click maybe later or have blockers anyway, so they never even see it. And you know, I, I think it's the same kind of kind of challenge. You know, a lot of these things. I, I think some of the challenge, though, is that especially for open source projects is. Whether you're talking about Thunderbird or you're talking about kind of the Wikipedia Foundation, you know those have very kind of visible user-facing sort of areas that they can clearly make those pleas, make those asks at. Like if you think about how many open source projects are out there that like don't have that, they're they're you know a set of libraries or you know a set of um, command line tools that you hang together and you know god forbid a developer puts uh, a message in their uh, in their code sort of that that puts out a message yeah. asking for donations like that caused a, a bit of uh, uh, a bit of news a few news articles earlier on this year um, but you know so many projects there is no sort of easy way to connect with their users and make that ask and i think those are the projects that will that will really struggle with this because they're then reliant on more of the you know going to their um whether it's you know their discord channel or their, their kind of user forums or you know mailing lists or whatever it is that they use to to communicate with their their user community um you know, Reddit or Slashdot or you know whatever it might be like the, the but it's a lot less it's a lot less direct it's a lot less yeah. um, kind of connecting uh, a lot less directly connected I would say and I think that you know the projects that that have that user facing avenue I think have far more chance of success than of, of this approach than those that are just kind of relying on that very indirect method of communicating with their user base. Yeah, I, you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I guess there's, there's two thoughts I sort of have there. Like one, I think for like the individual developer, you know, there's, 
there there's so much is often driven from a labor of love but i mean i think the reality that um most people don't realize is um those developers are working at way below market value way below it even if they're compensated they're still way below market value and yep. you know that's something that they sort of have to think about in the back of their head of of how they get forward i think also second and this is sort of the other point um these developers have the mindset of their technologists first and it's it's a really hard thing because you really you want to collaborate and build great technology you want to you want to improve you want to make an, an impact you want to make a difference you know you maybe you're kind of you know hoping that you know maybe a company sees this and says boy this is you know your skills are really useful you know mm -hmm. we can hire you can continue to build this out i mean those things happen but you know the vast majority of open source projects out there um you know you have people that are you know under market value sometimes just working for free at it um making a huge impact and you know to your point that's not it's not getting enough user facing out there, um, you know, to really, to really help sort of bring that in. And, and it's also sometimes kind of really unclear of like, okay, well, what, what does, you know, is, is it incumbent on the maintainer to make a business model for this and sort of be an arbitrator of a business? And if it is, I mean, that's a skill that I'm sure they probably don't want to get into, but at the same time, you know, they got to put food on the table so it's it's a it's a real the 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 indie open source developer which is maybe a kind of how i would characterize that a little bit that might be mm -hmm. a little bit cliched but it it it's close um i i think that hasn't been fully figured out i don't think it will ever be fully figured out frankly yeah but i do think there has to be sort of a recognition in that developer's mind when they're getting into this of I don't want to say what their exit strategy is because that's, <laughs> that's, that's but but in a way it kind of is right like what what you know or at least what their what their what their sustainability strategy is yeah like what if if they're in it for the long term and if this is what they what they really want to do then then how can they make that in some way shape or form sustainable as you say oh, yeah. whether that's you know attracting a company's interest who thinks oh this is not only is this cool but actually i could make this a core part of my business and therefore you know employing the person that wrote this it would be a useful thing for me to do or whether that's you know themselves building a company around it or to support it or beside it however they want to do it or whether it's just you know going back a little bit to uh to, to your book like really effectively building a really strong and diverse community around it that can itself be more sustaining yeah, and to your point like them remaining being that indie open source developer is an okay thing for them it always remains a bit of a a side hobby and and they're good with that and i think there's I'm sure there's a, a million other different avenues that people could explore yeah it's like building a business like you decide your early stages you know am i building Am I building sort of a, a a business to kind of just be sort of a, a steady state sort of, you know, regular business? Am I building a business that I want to be gigantic or am I building a business to sell? Yep. And, you know, there's nuances of all those decisions, but yeah. largely you kind of end up in those three buckets. And 
I think there's a degree from a developer standpoint of starting an open source project, you, you kind of have to have a little bit of the same mindset. Now, granted, the best laid plans of mice and men, um, you know, go sideways on you. And, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've actually, you know, one um, project maintainer I was talking to um, earlier this year that actually brought a project in one of the foundations I was working with, uh, who'd been maintaining this for ages of time, you know, part of their decision making for bringing it into there was just saying, hey, look, I've been lifting this up for so long, I need extra support to do it and I need a way, I, I need a place where this collaboration can truly happen. And, you know, I can't do it all by myself anymore. Um, and there's a part of the book we even talk sort of about some of the governance models and that, that sort of fits in mm -hmm. there, but it's it's a tricky thing. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing for sure. Um, John, I feel like you you have something to say. We keep talking past you here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to interrupt you too, but the, the reason I kind of pulled off this uh, Thunderbird article when I did is because I think they did something different. And that's more talking not about the individual contributor, but more on the project level. And when uh, Dave made the comparison with, with Wikipedia, yeah, it kind of uh, clicked for me. Thunderbird, They've been doing these yearly fundraisers, uh, just like Wikipedia also did, but this time they did it differently. Instead of going the way Wikipedia goes, like half-threatening, if you don't pay us, we're going to go away, and then what are you going to do? They just went on this like a business. They just went with the branding, with the, the positive notes and all that kind of stuff. And from the things that I read on the, on the, I wasn't there, I'm not part of the team, I don't know what they did. But from what I read, that really made a huge difference how people perceived the not begging for money, but hey, you like this, don't you? You should pay for this. Uh, but on a more positive note, and I can say it right now. And for me, that's that was new. I haven't seen, mm. I've seen a lot of fundraisers from open source projects, but they're always on the point of, we need money or we're going to go away, please help yeah. us. Well, they kind of went to business school, I guess, and got an MBA. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what the MBA does. They talked to value. They saw this is the amazing stuff we're doing. By the way, we take yeah. vacation. Exactly. You know? And yeah. that made such yeah. a big difference. And I think that's a reaction on the two bad years we've had in open source, where a lot of projects yeah. were underfunded, were trying to die. I think people have been thinking about this. How can we do this in a better way? And maybe somebody had the bright idea well maybe look at that other part of the world that does this for a living you know the commercial world <laughs> maybe yeah. we buy the stuff we buy not because we need it because we've had been commercialized to that and we kind of like an automaton go to the shop and buy something at a certain point i don't want open source to go that far obviously but still uh, that does work and applying that kind of stuff i mean as open source drifts away from the nerd do, scratching your own back nerd doing something he, fi he yeah. or she finds interesting and then puts it out there it needs to become sustainable and you will need to get a little bit more uh, commercial doesn't need to be a swear word yeah no and you know i, I like kind of you put it so um one of the things i did last year um is i i helped lead up for uh, my my town's local school district um their levy campaign um, and this is sort of a United States thing, so if it doesn't make sense to you all in Europe, that's fine. Uh, but basically, um, they get uh, schools in the United States, um, they get a lot of funding through tax dollars. Many of those tax dollars um, are driven either through property taxes or some form of like an income tax. Um, so what the goal of this campaign basically was, and it's it's for periods of time and it gets renewed, you know, so it's kind of the public's way of having a check on the process, if you would. 
Um, so part of so um, you know they had tasked me with helping lead up this campaign to get this levy um, renewed, and we did it in the spring. It, it didn't go well. It didn't, I only had like three weeks to prepare, so it was kind of a little bit of a scramble, and you know, but. The one thing that we we did in the fall, and we kind of did it across the whole thing, was exactly your same point. You know, we didn't kind of go of, if you don't pass this, teachers are going to get fired. If you don't pass this, these detrimental things are going to happen to the school. We instead kind of went with the strategy of, look at with the support this town gives, the great things this school is able to do. And that is unique from other schools around us. Um, and using that, so it's selling sort of that value versus threatening. Because I think to your point, John, if, if you're at the stage where you're threatening, mm -hmm. that's a bad sign. That's that's not going to get you anywhere. You're 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 on death's door. I mean, yeah. you might as well open the door, jump in, and just be done with it, and save people a lot of time. And so I think that's a very positive way to think about it. And, and I sort of like how you took the perspective of that with Thunderbird. Um, and I think in general. What we'll probably see, and I see this in a lot of the foundations I've worked with, are, are trying to transition to that thought model here of, you know, this industry is, its future is going to be in this. It's going to be based upon open source. It's going to be this collaboration. To make it happen, we all have to take part. And by the way, by us all taking part, we're not giving it to someone else. We all take an ownership stake in it. I mean, that's how the Linux kernel works. Um, you contribute a line of code to the Linux kernel, you are a part owner of the Linux kernel. Did you know that? Do I get dividends? That <laughs> <laughs> so actually is a funny story. I think when they did the uh, VA Linux um, IPO back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think there was something where they did try to chase down <laughs> contributors to give them some dividends. So I don't. I could be dead wrong on that. There's probably somebody who will correct me, but I, I, I think that be cool. there's a story about that. Um, but, it, but it's a really important thing to just start understand sort of the asset that is being created. Um, you know, and, and again, there's some, you know, companies that run their own open source project that is a little bit of a different model, but at least for the ones that we see in a foundation model, it's all really designed to create something in a commons where you all have an ownership stake mm. into. And, and that's even something we try to stress with, um, you know, some of our corporate members to our projects is, you know, less think about this as um, a tithe think about it more as an investment. And, yeah. you know, you could make an argument that the Thunderbird folks thought of this as the exact same way. You know, this isn't a, you know, if you don't do this, sorry, the whole thing falls apart, but it's mm -hmm. more of like, you find this valuable, this is a value thing, um, here's a way you can invest in it. You know, yeah, just like yeah. anything. There's I, two, there's I two kinds of funding, right? You have to one time you have the funding of the the public using it, and you have the funding of mm -hmm. people making money with it. And with the making money with it, you can kind of have the the, the kind of a levy, fine, tax, whatever approach. Yeah. But if you're trying to convince people that are just using your product because they like the color, it might just be that. I don't know. You don't have any power over those people. You need to do it through positive messaging. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that exactly. with Thunderbird going public with their reports like this, maybe more projects can, yeah. Go and I think that's door. a good part, transparency. Yeah. Like yeah. the more that you can show like, hey, this is this is what the real costs to do this are. And there's often a lot of like nervousness for groups of exposing their finances mm -hmm. in such a way. But I, 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 yeah, I mean, because, you know, there's 
look, none of us are going to be perfect. I mean, people aren't used to doing it for one thing. Like they're not used to doing it in their personal lives. Most people aren't used used to doing it in their business lives. And like the thought about it of sharing transparently what you know what's what an organization's finances look like i'm sure i'm sure there was at least more than one person at thunderbird that said oh like what if we share that that actually we're doing okay and then the donations Mm -hmm. stop like i'm positive that that conversation had and i'm so happy that they were brave enough to say no like because I, I think it's one of those things that's it's more important than just this one project. It's important mm-hmm. to show that this this can work. And, and I, I, it doesn't I, need to be negative as well, because yeah. for me, I prefer giving money to something I see is successful, because I'm not throwing yeah. money away, versus something that's yeah. on death's door, as you said. I'm going to yeah. put money in there. Well, they're going to go away anyway. Why yeah. bother? So it's it's still positive it's still a positive inf- yeah, uh, impetus to it is. get yeah. more money i mean the, balls the other, start rolling and keep rolling yeah the other thing i think that was really positive is they also talked about um when they were doing this whole kind of fundraising slash marketing campaign they also talked about and these are the things that we want to do and we will be able to do if we can get funding um, you know, for these things, or we can get people, or we can do this, or we can do that. Like they, they actually share very openly. You know, the these are these are the things. You know, in and the majority of cases, these are the things voted by you, our users, as the things that you are most interested in seeing. And like, I think that that interaction again, back linking it back to the community is is kind of really important because that's the yeah. that's kind of bringing it sort of full circle there's a danger there yeah because we've seen crowdsourcing of uh, video games stuff like that where people promise sure. stuff so i'm not sure if in today's uh, state that's <laughs> where you really want to put but again Head, heading towards uh, are hard. K- kickstarting ask, ask anybody who plays the guitar on a, a sidewalk right um <laughs> it's, it's a hard model there right yeah. uh but i guess like and this is sort of, I think, something interesting with sort of the foundation model that has emerged. Um, one of one of the concepts behind this, well, there's two concepts. One is you have this area of sort of shared services. So if you like, if you look at some of the at least the the verbiage in there, one thing they talk about is some of sort of the back end services that they're able to contract with the Mozilla Foundation on. And I guarantee that is a lot less than normal market rates. Like they're able to get that at a you know a very much reasonable discount because they're able to tap into a shared service that already exists out there. Um, you know, so you have that half of it, but then the other half of it um, is being able to sort of weather these cycles because technology goes through cycles and you're gonna have one area that's gonna be of a higher investment area and so you're going to see a lot of funding drive mm-hmm. into there, maybe disproportionately to the funding that's needed. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But there, there's a lot in there. But then you're going to have other areas that are going to be underfunded relative you know, to what they probably truly need. And so what you end up doing, and, and this is how like a lot of the foundations I work in, it's, it's largely, frankly, a lot of the Linux Foundation model too, is mm-hmm. we're able to kind of normalize that um, across really well. And you know, in areas that are underfunded, but need resource, you know, we can, you know, deploy resource there and underwrite a lot of that versus, um, you know, other areas that have a lot of funding that maybe don't need all the resource at the moment, you know, that can, you know, we can move around. And, and, and so there's, there's, there's opportunities there that can 
help work things out. Now, I will caveat all of this that the, in the Wikimedia and the Mozilla Foundation is the exact same way. They operate at a razor thin margin. So there's not a lot of give and take there, but it, it is it is sort of something, and I think businesses think about this sort of the same way of like, um, you know, parts of the business are gonna drive a lot of revenue. They're enabled to invest in other areas that um, might need the funding to get off the ground or to keep going or things like that, but have a crucial importance. Yeah, I'd like to say that there's no such thing as an overfunded project. I mean, give them more no, money, they'll do more cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, you can definitely pour more into it. Um, there is, I mean, you know, the mythical man moth always tells us that there's there's a diminishing point of return on mm. you know resource investment into things, and I, and I, I mean, that's one of the things. Like when I'm working with open source projects, um, actually, I was even talking with one a couple of weeks ago about all these great ideas they had, and I'm like, you know, the number one thing that I would really advise you to do is pick three things, no more than three. I, I live in the world of three, so it's just a thing. <laughs> but of those, at least one or two of them should almost be sandbags for you. They should be fairly easy to accomplish. And mm. because the hardest thing to do is to understand your own operational velocity. And until you get a gauge of that, which end up happening, and I've seen this a whole bunch, and you see this in startups, um, you know, in the, in the tech world, but you see this all over the place, is you can just quickly burn through money when you don't really understand sort of your own operational velocity and cadence yeah. and, and how you work. And, and sometimes part of the challenge is just figuring that out. And again, mythical man month principle, you can't throw money to solve that problem. Like you really, really can't. Like you have to, you have to figure this out and you need to do it in a way where you can do it in as close to a fail-safe as humanly possible. And then to your point of you're never under overfunded, I completely agree. But what you're able to do is then deploy that in a much more intelligent yeah, yeah, yeah. way, which is the challenge, which a lot of groups get in. They're like all this funding and they have people wanting all these things. They're like, well, we got to do everything everybody says. When the reality is, is they're probably like not, you know, they're not doing it as effectively as they could. Mm. Um, and then they pay for that on the back end of having to maintain all of this stuff that they are just ill-equipped to. I mean, you see the story in like American um, towns, um, there's a whole thing like a strong towns movement. And, and one of the philosophies ends up being behind it is a lot of communities get into a position where they need funding. So they go off and, you know, hire some sort of, you know, group that might build in some sort of big amount of infrastructure, but to lure them in, they need to give them tax breaks. They need to give them this, give them that. Mm. And so they kind of do that. The, the community does that with a sense of like, we're just kind of mortgaging the future a little bit to pay mm -hmm. for the present. When then the reality is that that pill comes due and then they have to find the next one of these sweetheart deals and just keep paying this forward. And so they're not really building a sustainable model. They're just basically building something that's always going to require them to hunt for the next big thing. And, and that's sort of a tough, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to fall into. And, and yeah. a lot of times there's just as many of those stories of people put a big bet on it and say, I'm going to bet the house it's going to work. And that's the thing that movies are made of. Um, but for every one of those, there's a hundred mm. of those that don't go that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many how many places uh, bid all sorts of attractive uh, things to try and get the Tesla Gigafactory uh, right. set up in their backyard, for example? You know, just Amazon di distributor warehouse and yep. stuff, and abandoned malls that you yep. know were also similar things of let's build this big mall until it will come, and now those are mm -hmm. torn down, and now it's an Amazon warehouse. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. But the opposite no. happens too, right? Uh, Brexit and. Yeah, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end but, of the year. I had to push it in once more. Sorry. <laughs> but but it is but it is um like it is a a sort of a, a space that I think is changing, and I think that the positivity around it. I think is the is the kind of the biggest thing to take away here. So yeah, let's let's see. Maybe the uh, maybe the, with the new year there will be new positivity around open source. Let's uh, let's Absolutely. keep our fingers crossed for it. Cool. And that's it for part two of the episode. And for people watching YouTube, that was Dave trying to steal my airtime. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, we, we try to set this up in advance, but. Okay, Dave, what do you have to say that was so important? Please go ahead. Nothing. Nothing at all. And that is all the time we have for today. <laughs> <laughs> I love when the plan comes together. You can support the podcast, become patrons. Content patrons do help us keep this in the air. We're on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, notification bells, and YouTube stuffs uh, to make Dave happy. You can go to www.roaringout.org. There's links there to the Patreon page, information about the show, uh, show notes, and all that good stuff as well. And you can still send email to Roaring, uh, no, to podcast at roaringout.org. That's it. Email still works as before. Until next time, my name is the person I forgot to thank John Murtick for his presence in this second episode with his interview. So thank you, John. I didn't forget after all. John? And my name is, maybe I should have spoken up after all, given that John managed to mess that up. Dave? Uh, we hope to see each other again and talk to you again <laughs> next week, because if it continues like this, <laughs> I don't know. See you next week. Bye-bye. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>